we can't force people to have an affinity with with their cultural background or their heritage. You just can't. There's tons of people who are born in countries and represent those countries, and some even you know die for those countries um, that aren't their native country. Hey everyone, uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, my name is Adrian and I'm the host of the Sound of Accra podcast. Uh, this is the show where we chat with colourful creatives and entrepreneurs from a Ghanaian background, all with a special interest to the city, bringing you one step closer to Accra, wherever you are. Um, in this podcast episode, this is quite spontaneous. Um, I plan to interview a good friend of mine, Kofi, who is a communication specialist and a content creator. However, um, once we got together, things went completely 180 and we decided to co-host this special episode where we're just having a real conversation about preserving African and Ghanaian culture. Now, if you want the show notes, you can head over to thesoundofacrowd.com. Um, I've got some other things to say after the end of this podcast, so I'll catch you at the end. In the meantime, enjoy this one and take care. So I'd like to welcome Kofi to the show. Uh, Kofi, how are you doing? I'm very well, my brother. Very well. Excellent, 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 excellent. Well, it's good to finally do a podcast in a live environment, in a yeah. live setting. <laughs> Definitely. With all of this madness going on, it now feels great to be able to have someone physically next to me. Mm. Rather than all of this remote business, um, I'm not uh, bringing down all these remote platforms. They've been Honestly. A, a savior to um, podcasting, all of these fantastic remote platforms. Yeah. But um, there's nothing beats being in live person with somebody else. Trust me. Nothing, nothing. And Trust I'm sure... Me people out there can relate to me in, you know it's in, funny I just yeah, had a little <laughs> those of you who love your Nollywood or Gollywood films like, yeah. forgive me but I literally was thinking the climate that we're in you would think that we were in a Gollywood movie you know or a Nollywood movie like back from COVID-19 <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> episode one you know starring your, yours truly yeah um, I can just see it on a <laughs> shelf somewhere back from COVID-19 yeah. And you just see all the acts there with their masks just saying, yeah, part one. <laughs> Lord knows what part two is. Not really trying to find that out right now. <laughs> Let's just yeah. get through the year as best as we can. Let's get through the year as best as we can. Trust exactly. Me. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, um, I think it's quite interesting because of what's happening with um, everything on the back of George Floyd and mm. diversity and racism, etc. And then, then you have John Boyega sign a, a deal with Netflix to produce non-English films. See, speaking what, what, of Nollywood, Hollywood, my point exactly. What's it taking that? Um, I mean, it's it's a good thing in terms of, I guess he's raising the profile of authenticity, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of you've got other uh, native film directors who, for example, if you look at Money Heist, that's originally done in Spanish, I believe. Um, and you can have English subtitles or English voiceovers. Yeah. So why, I, I guess you also have French films, you have different <laughs> um, parts of Asia um, and their films also have English voiceovers. So I guess it's kind of emphasizing the need that why would the African voice need to 
be defaulted in the English language, you know, when you can have an English voiceover too. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, kind of maybe pushing that cultural narrative, that cultural authenticity mm-hmm. and the need to not have that diluted. Um, it's interesting that we're having this podcast because, you know, it's talking about, in, in essence, we're considered the diaspora, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, do we as London-born Ghanaians preserve that essence of Ghana in us, do you know what I mean? Do, do we have that fragrance of our culture mm, with us, like and that. even in even even in the, the the cities that we live in? So yeah, yeah. I mean, kudos to him. Um, if it works, it works. I mean, I don't really have anything necessarily to say regarding regarding that, to be honest. But my initial thoughts were. You know, I'm all for authenticity and preservation of culture. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think that our English counterparts or, you know, white counterparts, et cetera, um, we do want to be visible. We do want them to kind of be able to, to, to relate to us in terms of, you know, acknowledge our world. And if one of the ways of doing that is to speak their language, then, you know, that's kind of the angle that I saw it from yeah. at first. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, there's there's a sense of pride in preserving your culture still. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just finding a balance, isn't it? Yeah. Really. It really is finding the balance. And do you feel like, okay, now that we're on this topic of preserving culture and, mm. you know, preserving African culture, you know, in, in, in emphasis, uh, mm. do you feel like us diasporas living in the West or moving around the West and our own countries, you know, namely Ghana, et cetera. Mm. Do you feel like we're at risk losing our culture because of how, um, how the West is really just trying to take over. And even back in Ghana, <laughs> you have the West taking over. You know, I think the essence of the culture is more at risk back at home than it is here. If I'm mm. honest, and I think there's an, a really interesting transition. I think, yeah. you know, the rise of Afrobeat music has actually been, uh, a very positive thing in my personal opinion um, it's interesting because it's kind of bringing the essence of African culture to the western world you know something which growing up um, you weren't really you kind of shied away from being African you yeah. know you kind of shied away you, you know you had the whole tension within the, the black community amongst um, Caribbeans and, and and Africans and you know there was a sense of not really being proud to be African um, so you know if you look at the more modern recent times to have the Afrobeats movement kind of encourage and bring out you know that populist that popularity of African culture and celebration of Af- African culture in the western yeah. world and internationally and globally as well that's yeah. a brilliant thing but yeah. then at the same breath you've got mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. uh, an affinity with western culture so it's like we're trying to we're trying to harness our roots of African culture being in the west but then back home they are trying to conform to Western roots. So it's like we're literally doing a transaction. It's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's just everyone's really... Tr- everyone's trying to do the opposite because, for example, when you're yeah. in Ghana, right, you know, they think that... Or, I mean, there's some people who are trying to get out of Ghana and move to the West. They feel like... Um, move into us or uk is like the holy grail they, they feel like that's that's um, greener pastures where not mm. it's not necessarily the case yeah and then us out here are trying to move back there mm. you know <laughs> it's so funny like, how the how the tables have turned over um but it Definitely. just shows you um 
it, I guess it kind of shows how, I guess, culture, African culture could be at risk at both ends because yeah. the, the, the Africans out in Ghana, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, the Ghanaians, for example, let's take the Ghanaians who, who want to move to the West. Mm-hmm. They could be a risk losing the Ghanaian culture because they they're the ones that heavily get influenced yeah. by the West. I think vice versa. What's also key to identify is as a, as a people is and as a community and, a, and a, as a nation of Ghanaian, just just as people in general, you know, our affinity with culture. How important is that? Firstly. And yeah. secondly, what part of culture should be preserved? Because there are elements of the culture that, you know, some might see as outdated or some might see that just doesn't have its footing in, in a modernized society, you know? Mm. Um, and in a way, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you can see cult, you can, you, you can have, you can always redefine culture as well, mm. right? You can have your essence of, 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 but, you know, being African, etc., whilst also being modern. So, for example, let's just take, for example, a loose example, right? You have uh, a well-tailored, stunning, embroidered blazer yeah. that has trimmings of kente cloth or African print around yeah. the pocket, be it the pocket square, etc., right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can say it's not an African attire, but it has essence or a strand of African in that attire, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a modern, that's a blazer that will fit in with the modern society and a modern working office culture, but that still has a preservation of Africanness to it due to the print and the material that it has, mm-hmm. right? So it's a question of when we say preserve culture, how how much of culture do we want to preserve and how much of that fits in with a prog- progressive, modernized um, society. Yeah. And if you want to, excuse me, sorry, if you want to um, package, oh, okay, package might not be the right word, but if we, if we want to maintain our Africanness, uh, Africanness, is that even a word? If we want to maintain how our roots and our culture globally, you know, are we... Do we want to do so in a in a in a raw in a raw way um, in a raw um, unrefined way, or do we want it to be in a more refined, modernized way? You know, so I see, for example, myself as an individual. Wherever I go, I'm proud to be a British-born Ghanaian, right? Mm-hmm. So. If, I, I proudly wear Ghana football shirts oh, wherever man, I am. Literally, going to the shops wherever. Even your car, you, man. <laughs> my, car, my car has a Ghana punching bag in it. Like, I'm, I'm, I, know boxes, where, man. I know where my, my, my heritage is from. But at the same time, I'm not doing that to kind of say, yo, I'm, I'm incredibly patriotic. <laughs> but it's more, I know my roots and I'm proud of, of where I'm from, but I'm also British born, right? Yeah. I'm also aware of my current culture. So, I can wear a Ghana football shirt with jeans and trainers yeah. or with jogging bottoms and trainers. I'm not wearing chalawate or open toe sandals. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the culture do you want to preserve? That's my yeah. question. So, you know, that's my take on it anyway. Like mm. we have to define what is culture and what elements of that culture do you want to keep? Yeah. You know, absolutely man. Mm. Like, so I think some people would pick and choose what bits they want to take. Uh, some people would try and combine you know, Western culture with mm-hmm. African culture or Ghanaian culture, yep. perhaps. And some people want to kind of reject it completely. I mean, I know one, 
I won't say the person's name, but I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know one one lady who just doesn't want to be associated with anything to do with Nigerian culture. Wow. Honestly, like, it's just, it's shocking. That's interesting. Think. Yeah, that's very interesting. Are they a known person, famous person? Or? Sorry, say that. Say that famous again. person, known? Are they known? Are they known? What do you mean, are they known? This person you're referring to, are they a friend of yours? Um, it's someone I've known in the past. Um, oh, okay. Someone I'm not really in touch with these days. But There yeah. is a reason for that. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. Each to their own, each to their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's someone that, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that I, you know, I was talking to a while mm. back. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think when I was getting to know the person, it just kind of dawned on me that mm. they just didn't want anything to do with... Well, with that, with the culture, like, yeah. you know, from the surname, you know, when the person doesn't have the full surname, just have, just mm. have the, the first letter of the surname wow. to the, to the food that they eat, to the way they maybe, maybe dress or carry themselves and mm. their interests. I'm not saying that is wrong, but I, I guess it kind of shows how perhaps maybe being born and raised in the Western culture, how that can kind of have an impact on, you know, your yeah, approach to your own culture that you're of actually course. from. You know? I think something that's also key to address is, um, obviously we're in a climate right now where, you know, the whole black lives matter movements and, yeah. you know, kind of cultural sentiments and historical, um, sentiments towards one's race, etc., And, you know, an affinity with one's skin color, is a, is a very prominent, it always has been a prominent thing, but we're seeing it at this present time mm. taking a poignant position of discussion globally right now. Um, and I think, I mean, that friend you mentioned, we don't know that person's experience. We don't know mm. if they've had bad cultural experiences that they want to be distanced from their heritage due to bad role modeling. You know, we don't know what some of that reasoning is or if the affinity to their country is a negative one so they want to distance themselves as much as possible um but what i will say is as people we we, we can decide how we want to be identified by um obviously there are strikingly obvious things that you can't run away from such as how you look in, in your skin color of course people can, can you know go and have surgery and bleach the skin and do all kinds of stuff to manipulate their external body. But by default, in terms of the body you were given at birth, you know, that's how you came into this world. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's fair to say that if someone doesn't want to have an affinity with their culture, that they're denying who they are. Yeah. Um, you know, we're people, you know, we, what is patriotism at the end of the day? I had this conversation with a colleague at work one time and just spoke about patriotism, yeah. patriotism, sorry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how really, if you really debunk and get to the roots of, you know, immigration in terms of historically as a, as a world, you would actually find out that if you did ancestral tracing, you're probably not going to be from the country that you claim you're from right now. Um, so even though we're gone in, if we were to do an ancestry test, you could find out that you're part Benin, part Senegalese, part this. You could even have white ancestry. You don't know how far back it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're holding a tight and firm allegiance to a particular country or a particular culture, just like I said, with what part of the culture do you want to keep? How far back do we go with being patriotic? Mm -hmm. You know? True. So... 
I think it's an absolute wonderful thing for a person to want to actually say, you know, I actually like my heritage and my country as far back as I can trace it, you know, or even if you were born there, you don't have to be uh, an absolute native because I think that concept is is, is archaic anyway. Um, honestly, bro. <laughs> um, if you want to assimilate to British culture and you and you like the culture and you want to be um, identified as, as, as holy British, go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is, are you living... Um, you know, as a person that does right by each other, because at the end of the day, you can be patriotic, you can be as African as you like, you can be as British as you like. Mm. How you behave towards your neighbour is important. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all the, you know, you can you can preserve your culture, but if you're a rotten ambassador yeah. for the for the for the country or for or for your family that you represent, it doesn't matter about your affinity to your culture. So how far do we go with these things and preserving these things? I think the most important thing is does your culture have an impact on how you treat your neighbor? Because if the parts of your culture you're, you're keeping, for example, there are some countries, we won't mention names. Mm-hmm. This is who, the, you, know, you know the saying, if the shoe fits, well, yeah. if the country fits, like, country you know, fits. wear it, you know. But some cultures, you've got men who don't allow the women to speak. They speak on behalf of their women for every situation, be it hospital appointments, you name it. And um, women are second class citizens in that, in, in that culture. So that is an element of that culture disrupting or impeding on a person from loving their neighbor as they truly ought to. Right. Yeah. So that is an element of culture that is affecting the person's ability to, to, to love unconditionally. Right. Or to treat their counterparts as as equal or with equity, so those those are examples where how far do you take this culture? You know, um, so yeah, that's just my two cents on on the matter that culture matters and it's it's good to be Ghanaian. I like it, I enjoy it. It's good to be affiliated with the country, but you know, I'm st- I am still who I am, and if being Ghanaian and if some of the cultural um, ties to being Ghanaian involves me. Um, not doing right by women or involves me not doing right mm-hmm. by my counterparts or involves me being stingy or greedy or whatever it is, yeah. then, you know, is it really worth bragging about that aspect of the culture or bringing that aspect of the culture into my, my lifestyle? So, yeah. Yeah, because you need to, because, I mean, if you say that you're from a certain culture and you're not even upholding that culture well i mean you know you're doing it justice you know doing 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 a good service there you go if you will Mm. yeah and what's your take on um you know how you know the whole kind of sports representation thing where maybe you're from ghana whatever Mm. and maybe you're you're born and bred in britain and you go and represent england rather than ghana Mm. as an athlete or as a footballer Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people will complain that they should have represented Ghana in this sport. <laughs> and then some people complain they should have represented England, you know, yeah. in this sport. And then they do the opposite. Well, what's your take on that? How do you think they, do, do you feel like? I think, do you know what? I yeah. think in general as a people, um, and if you're from Ghana, from Accra, Ghana, um, 
I'm joking. That Correct, you could be yeah. from Kamasi. It doesn't really doesn't matter what region. Tekrade, it doesn't matter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um Cape Coast, whatever. Um but yeah, feel if, if we can't force people to have an affinity with with their cultural background or their heritage. You just can't. There's tons of people who are born in countries and represent those countries and some even, you know, die for those countries. Um that aren't their native country but you know they choose to have an affinity with that nation Mm -hmm. um if if we want people to remember the roots first of all that starts from parenting that starts from exposing your child to your culture you know exposing your child to you know visiting Ghana etc but I think a person should want to have a willingness to have a strong affinity with their culture that's not something that anybody should be guilt-tripped over. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone wants to represent a Western country and they're not from a Western country, that's the affinity that they have, you know? If we want um, people to be proud of their roots and their heritage, I believe that there is power in a person willingly arriving at that point of wanting to represent their their cultural background or their heritage. Um, manipulation or guilt tripping or you know kind of saying to the person mm. why aren't you representing the, your country of origin yeah I mean if they decided to do a U-turn and represent Ghana that's not coming from a place of authenticity yeah and um, like I said before it reinforces a divide I think we want to be culturally proud but you know globally accepting so what I mean by that is be proud of your culture, but not in a way that it sets you in a position of division from others, you know? Yeah. Like I'm from Ghana, but that doesn't mean I don't have um, a connection with my Nigerian brothers and sisters. Do you know what I'm saying? I can be pr- proudly Ghanaian, but not to the extent where I'm excluding myself from Nigerians or anyone who's not from Ghana. And I think we can take this cultural affiliation too deeply at times. Um, yeah. Honestly, like I said, and it goes back to if 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 being tied to your culture impedes on how you behave towards others, it's not worth it. Yeah, you know, I'd rather be British and not divisive and and, and show undevoted love and attention to my neighbours than be gone in and proud and not accepting or not. Um, you know, neutral towards any other country. Yeah, that's you know? a very good point there, right there. It's a very, very good point as well. And just coming to think of it, I remember back in the days when, um, let's say if you're a British Ghanaian, for example, mm. and in the early days, I mean, it wasn't really popular to kind of say that you're from Ghana or, you know, to, to represent your culture, to be yeah. um, proud of your culture and to do things associated with your culture like, you know, being shy, eating the food, <laughs> wearing the clothes. And yeah. now I think just like you said before, I think Afrobeats, the rise of Afrobeats and, and other things. And mm-hmm. I think the the rapid development had taken place in Accra. I mean, Accra is just, um, you know, it's, it's breaking all kinds of stats. I mean, it's now yeah. um, one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Wow. It's also now, I think I learned today now, it's... um. Um, properties in Accra now accrue the highest rental yields 
in anywhere in Africa. You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, that's, those are just some stats of Accra and obviously Accra. Um, if you want to, if you want to talk about COVID, I think Accra is one of the top African countries, mm. or even the top countries in the world to, to fight COVID. So, mm. um, I mean, Ghana as a whole has been doing a lot. And I think just in general, um, a lot of people nowadays are yeah. now more proud to represent Ghana because now it's more on the map, it's more on the radar. Mm. And now what you have now is people being a bit more proud, a bit more outspoken about their, their culture. Mm. And just like what you said earlier on, there may be those group of people who may be a bit too proud of their mm-hmm. culture and then they forget to love their neighbors this stuff like the bible talks about or they forget to mm-hmm. you know respect authority respect culture yeah. and to respect that others have their own cultures and others maybe yep. do not want to be affiliated with ghana or yeah. or for, or maybe their own culture for instance yeah so, yeah i mean it's just quite interesting just to see the different uh perspectives out there and i mean look these things are good you know having mm. a great economy etc sometimes you do have to ask yourself who is it serving at the end of the day yeah who does it who does it make look good at the end of the day um and is your affinity with your country due to the fact that it's growing economically or do you just genuinely love your country mm. irrespective of what position it may find itself in you know do we grow an attachment to to our country because it's now doing well yeah or do we love our countries irrespective of of, of what financial situation it, it may be in exactly. and i think that you know it's good that Accra is rising and i think at the core of of thriving cities is is mm. the people that work in their cities right yeah. people that bring it together um you know and again it's can can a nation move that way progressively and still preserve its culture um, and can it move that way progressively and still look after the needy? You know, we know Africa's a developing country. It's not yeah. a developed country. Mm. It's Ooh, still developing. That's a, that's a, that's, um, that's a key word. But we, say that again. We, <laughs> Africa is a developing. It's a developing. Sorry, forgive me. I made a big blunder. Africa's a developing continent. Yeah. Excuse my slip of the tongue. Mm. Um, Africa's a developing continent. Ghana is a developing country. Um, it's not a developed country, mm. and so what does along the way to prosperity, we do not want to forget humble beginnings. We do not want to forget the the impoverished villages and towns that make up the authenticity of Ghana and yeah. our historic values and our historic struggles. Yeah. And you know when when we want to aspire to a Western way of living, we've got to keep asking ourselves, what is it about that Western way of living that it's that is desirable. What what is this perception of wealth or this perception of the good life? Yeah. What does that look like? Does it look like flashy things, shiny buildings, um, you know, world tiled pavements and <laughs> mobile phones and phone masks and five G and four G and whatever it is? Yeah. Does it look like a highly technic technological advanced nation? But that doesn't necessarily equate to um, happiness or it doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, an incredible environment. Yeah. You know, these are, these are just signs of globalization, but some people actually want to go back to organic way of living or, or they want to go back to, um, 
it's a simple life and some people go to certain countries as a retreat from globalization <laughs> as a retreat from you know um yeah. cities that are built up that's a good point. where there's no green spaces etc i mean a part point. of the african culture that is wonderful is seeing sometimes some of the patches that aren't fully developed yeah. there's a sense of rawness there. Like there's a sense of historic rawness yeah. you know nature for what it is so I remember when I visited one of my um, uncles in, in one of the village towns that my family's from in Ghana. Um, he had a, he has an amazing view, a stupendous view from his balcony that overlooks like the whole landscape. And he said to me, hmm. in the next five, ten years or so, all the lovely fields that you see here will all be buildings. And I said, you know what? I don't actually think that's a good thing. Mm. I said, as much as they're catering to, you know, maybe a population, a slight a population increase, you are running the risk of losing that authenticity of yeah. what you see yeah. in terms of the landscapes, the mountains, the culture. Yeah. And I said, I think, you know, the government should actually preserve some of it, you know, because there is beauty in seeing nature for what it is. Yeah. So... Mm. Totally. You know, it's good that Accra is booming, but who is it benefiting? You know, like I said, it's got mm. to, it's got to benefit the nation, it's got to benefit the people, and we that are here in London, um, I think be proud of your country, be proud of who you are, yeah, be proud to be black, etc. Yeah, but above all of those things, you're your own person. 100%. Um, so just be influential in the right way and impact people positively. I think that's the most important thing. 100 billion percent. And that's a real conversation right there. Very, very real conversation. Um, and I think just to wrap this up, uh, what I do want to say is that um, I think that, yeah, you do have Accra developing. Um, you do see all of this in new infrastructure, yeah. all these investors coming on board and, you know, a lot of the West flocking to the scene. But then at the same time, are we then going to allow that to, you know, erase or erode the, the Ghanaian culture? Are we turning Ghana into the West because of that? Mm. And people that even come to Ghana you know, from the West, mm. you know, they just go to the clubs they just go to <laughs> the restaurants. They go and do Western I things. I mean, even us, even British-born Ghanaians do the same thing. Yeah. You know, some of us, those of us who haven't, I mean, this is not including me, but those of us who haven't actually uh, gone to Ghana from a very young age are coming at a time where, you know, Ghana is developing, as I said, mm. and are doing the same things that they would do when they're in, in Britain. Mm. over there in Ghana mm -hmm. um, and thankfully I was able to go to Ghana when it was less developed than it is now um, and there was just that contrast was sharp you know between the developing world and and, and the non-developed uh, the less developed, developed world yeah. I don't want to say non-developed um, 
And I felt that contrast, I actually liked that contrast. I didn't, not, not to say that it should stay undeveloped by any stretch, but yeah. it was a form of a retreat for me, you know. <laughs> now, cool. literally, let's, let's free the real, as they say. Um, simple tasks such as bathing yourself. Yeah, the bucket, bruv. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even though people really be doing that here still. You know what I mean? I know. But you, you know, you had, you know, you didn't have shower heads and stuff like that. You had to, you had to pour water into a bucket, boil it, mix yeah. it, pour it over yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's different things that you, TV, if you had a TV, <laughs> you know, you would watch it at a particular time of day. Um, you know, and it, it was, you just, didn't depend on these technologies you just live life absorbing the rawness of nature mm. and and i just felt that it was really refreshing to to really take into consideration and to be more grateful for the things that you have so readily available to you in the west um but you know the world is the same wherever you go you've got people here in britain struggling who don't have basic necessities you've got people back home not struggling not having basic necessities money talks wherever you go but it does, yeah. yeah I think you've raised a good point you raise raised a good point you know people that are coming to Ghana what aspect of Ghana are they coming to and is that Ghana you could argue but I think you know look globalization is fine I think just countries need to be aware of their culture and what aspects of it can fit in the modern world and I think people need to be not afraid to reinvent culture I think that's quite key to stress in this in this podcast actually culture can be reinvented you know I think there's so much affinity to how things are always done yeah that we try to bring that forward into the modern world but it's like why not reinvent reinvent the will because if you look at history books you know the landscape of Africa 500 years ago is different to the landscape 500 years before it. Yeah. There's certain empirical rule, certain empires, even the Gold Coast, if you look at an old African map, the Gold Coast wasn't positioned where you see Ghana positioned now. Yeah. You know, the empire was slightly higher up. It wasn't on the coastal line from some pictures that I've seen. <laughs> so geographically, you know, places and countries have looked different. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So... Little history lesson, huh? yeah, and cultures weren't always the same. Different tribes, if you got taken over, the Roman Empire, different empires, Mongolian empires. If you look at different empires that have taken over countries across the globe, get guess what? What culture did you have to take on? The culture of the ruling power, right? Mm. So, you know, we're in a situation where globally now we're all mute, we're all adopting a certain type of culture, but this is an opportunity for us to reinvent the will. If you want to keep your native tongue, your African swag, your African culture, your African food with a modern twist, do that. Reinvent the will, you know? And and that's why I'm not mad at Afrobeats. I'm not mad at certain um, genres of music or certain, you know, films because that it is that kind of modern Africa, as it were, isn't it? He is modern so, African. Yeah. yeah, reinvent the will, man. Definitely. Love it, love it. Yeah. And um, I think with black culture, it's quite interesting because, you know, you, you see poverty and wealth in black culture. And 
Um, you know, we just keep saying that there are black stereotypes out there that need to be broken, mm-hmm. but yet these black stereotypes keep keep reoccurring, and you know, mm-hmm. nothing's really changing. So maybe there needs to be some kind of reinvention in terms of black culture as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of, especially with what people associate us with as well. You know, yeah, but. we we as a black culture need to own more things, <laughs> um, you know, and start allowing our wealth to be external. Um, you know, we need to own more properties, own schools, own businesses, own airports, own design firms, own our content. You know, and, and I guess that might be saved for another another chit chat you know (laughs) but in terms of our influence as Ghanaians in the western world you know what do we bring to the workplace in terms of um our culture as well and and are we using the skills that we learn here in Britain Mm -hmm. to to own and acquire things in this country to own properties to own businesses or Mm -hmm. are we going to use those talents to take it back home or are we going to use those same talents to help out um black and different minority counterparts so that we can grow a community of culture um to to influence and inform you know white counterparts that we're all people you know because i think the more visible you are in different spaces the more people can get to learn about you you know and challenge stereotypes because you can educate stereotypes but you know a lot of people learn through visual representation and you know if they see you in their space and in their community um Mm -hmm. and the work that you do yes they still need to be educated so they can perceive you with the correct lens and the correct eyes and the correct um mindset but the more you are in a person's space in a person's school and you know the more you're faced with diversity yeah um, but yeah, we, as a community, we need to, we need to, like you said, definitely challenge those stereotypes. And one of the ways of definitely. doing that is owning things and sharing. Like, you know, you know that's what I told you about the, the whole divisive culture. And, and even, you even see it in the rap culture, et cetera, people flossing chains and cars and this. And it's like, that's fine. You know, hopefully you're building up your community too. Um, <laughs> But it's like we're more than that. We know we're more than those things. Um, yeah. Let's encourage real estate. Let's actually own stuff. Let's have a black middle class. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why <laughs> Why do we have to keep talking about a poverty divide and the hood, yeah. the ghetto? I'm tired of hearing um, the black experience being tied down to the ghetto experience or came from nothing. Yeah. Reinvent the world. The same way that we mentioned reinventing culture reinvent what it means to be black in the western world that you can have a middle class experience you can own things you can share with the community you can build each other up so yeah. let's change that will let's be about it let's be about it uh yeah kofi thanks for joining me in this honest real conversation come on <laughs> come on now um this is slightly different to what we usually do at yeah. the sound of a cry um but is more of a collaboration mm. format rather than the interview format. So yeah, Kobe, thanks for thanks for joining me in this on this in real conversation. Anytime, bro. Um again you can get the show notes by going to the soundofacra.com and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah, Take care. And listen, the sound of a cry might not just be trotros and stuff, you know. 
you know what I'm saying? I heard Ghana being uh, being in um, train uh, a railway line over there. Literally, like the sound of a car is going to be even more diverse and modernized than you think it is. So yeah, boom. a <laughs> bit you. of uh, imagery for you. <laughs> you've you've heard it from Kofi. Okay, guys, take care, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye bye. So that was my good friend Kofi M. A. They call him. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Once again, you can get the show notes by going to thesoundofacra.com and you can check that out. Um, if you feel like you'd be a fit for the show, uh, we will be taking applications soon for season two. So if you feel like you'd be a great fit for the show or you want to get on the show, drop us a message, email info at thesoundofacra.com. We're also available on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can find us on there and you can drop us a message too. Okay. Um, hope you guys are enjoying this. We're going to keep this theme of black diversity Ghanaian African kind of culture going on just for a little bit more um, so be sure to tune into the next episodes um, where we will be diving a bit more into the whole um, Afro African black type of culture type discussions okay um, and yeah until the next one I'll speak to you guys very soon and take care cheers <laughs>